Hello friends, Laura Johnson here from Mindful Sex Ed Back to Basics. This is a really special episode for us. We interviewed adult performer Jay Smooth, and we're absolutely thrilled that he was our guest and he did such a wonderful job with this interview. So we are actually going to break this interview up into two parts. So today we're releasing part one, and then a little bit later this week, we'll release part two. All right. Well, I don't want to give too much away, so why don't we get into it? Hello friends, Laura Johnson here from Tickle.life and this is Mindful Sex Ed Back to Basics. This is the podcast where we break up myths and build up facts about sex. And as always, I am joined by my incredible co-host, the Tickle.life in-house sex educator, Lulu Batista. How are you doing today, Lulu? I'm fantastic and I can't wait for us to have this amazing chat today. I know, we're super, super excited. So as Lulu just referred to, we have a very special guest today. The multi-talented adult performer Jay Smooth. Um, Jay, thank you so much for being here with us. We are thrilled to learn more about your work. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke about Jay a couple of episodes back in our episode on porn performers that we love. And again, like we are super excited to learn more about his time in the industry. So before we get into it, just a little bit about Jay Smooth. Um, he was born in Poland and has been in the adult space since 2013. He's appeared in more than 600 videos and scenes combined, including big features for major adult studio productions worldwide. And he's been nominated for multiple awards by various organizations throughout the years. Um, and some of, these in some of these nominations include AVN's Best Supporting Actor, Best Sex Scene, and Best Male Newcomer. And those are only a fraction of the awards that he's been nominated for. So he's very, very talented. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you, right. thank you. <laughs> All right, Jay. Um, so, uh, maybe we can get started with, you know, what was your journey into the adult industry? Well, um, I think that it started in my head when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, I was maybe slightly fascinated by by the adult industry uh, as, a, as an early teenager, and I started discovering... Uh, you know, first adult videos in my uncle's and uh, father's collections, finally, because my uncle was uh, really, really, a, I wouldn't say an adult, uh, you know, video connoisseur, but a person that was collecting those videos. And mm -hmm. those were like from the 80s. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, you can imagine how they looked. And, you know, for me as a growing up teenager, I got excited. Yeah. And I started watching some of them and, you know, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting, but it kind of stimulated my sexuality because I noticed that I was really, really young um, mm -hmm. when I was, of course, you know, started experimenting with sex. I noticed that I'm uh, probably more interested in sex and experimenting with sex than many other people. So mm -hmm. that's, I discovered pretty early, but, you know, growing up in, a, in, in Poland, which is a super conservative Catholic society. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that you would like to um, be proud of or, or even be, um, you know, real about. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, people, people do a lot of things behind closed doors. So fast forward, you know, that, that, that idea of, of performing in those videos always were somewhere in my head, but it was like, no, it's something that I should never do because it's inappropriate. And, and, you know, all those uh, societal norms put on us and, and everything that is what's right or wrong. And, uh, you know, I got into modeling. I got a lot of mainstream modeling. I had a professional sports career in my back. I got, uh, got injury, you know, went through uh, a traditional education. Long story short, I ended up continuing my education in the United States. Mm-hmm. I did uh, continue my modeling career and I was approached by several um, studios and, and producers and people about doing things like that. And I was, all, you know, I don't know. I don't think I, I'm, I'm comfortable. I don't think I can do it. And once... Uh, I think my curiosity and and I thought I'm mature enough and already, uh, you know, established in my head that I can have a healthy relationship with understanding uh, Mm -hmm. uh, this performance, especially that I had mainstream uh, modeling and acting already uh, 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 done in my life. So I knew what it is. And I think I agreed. Yeah, I think the first time when I agreed to to do something uh, uh, like a college amateur scene, something like that. And uh, and I was it was. It was exciting, but that's a terrifying experience. I had no idea what I was doing. It's, you know, one of those things. But um, then I got picked up by the agency and, and, you know, thrown in the very deep water and pretty much had to learn to swim. But I had no preparation for that. I had no, I did not make any research about that. So uh, my uh, beginnings were kind of rough. So I had to learn to swim and it's like story of my life. I just faced challenges and... And I just said this, this one as a challenge that I'm going to become a better performer. Uh, you know, this is something I'm interested in doing and it, it, it excited me and I decided I'm going to pursue that despite mm-hmm. the fact that the beginnings were very rough for me. It wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's really amazing. Um, so in those like early scenes, I mean, did you ever connect with with like mentors in the industry that could help? guide you through or you were just really on your own no not really you know i'm a i'm a i'm kind of a loner in my life you know i don't really uh hang out with the you know i'm i'm a so i'm a social person i love being around people and enjoying that but in terms of uh, certain things i learn my you know i like to learn things mm-hmm. myself mostly and i uh, i got into an environment and an agency that i probably shouldn't have gotten into uh, to start with, they weren't really interested in mentoring me. I found those people later in my life when already mm-hmm. I had established myself enough to be uh, recognizable in the business and be able to constantly work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I if, if I had to if, if I had another start in the business, let's say, I would definitely do things differently, and I would would definitely find uh, uh, the right agents, the right people around me uh, who could point me in the right direction without you know, having uh, to deal with a lot of uh, adversities that, that, that I had to deal with at the beginning. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that um, put more um, pizzazz on you? Like you knew you had to come up and kind of learn these things by yourself. And so you, you know, just really acknowledge the work, the honest work that you really put into this. And when you look back, even now, be like, yeah, yes, a mentor would have been amazing, right? But you had to really come out the mud and really learn this thing by yourself. And now you're like, listen, at the end of the day, Jay did that. Well, that's, 
<laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, that's that's true. I agree with you. Uh, but there is very little room for error in this business, especially for male performers. Like that's mm-hmm. another side of the story. Like male performers in the straight straight adult industry, because that's where I was working since, right. since the beginning. Doesn't have any tolerance for for males. There are very few of those that can work constantly, and there are other criteria that are important for those performers. But in terms mm-hmm. of purely uh, 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 the skill of working in this business, mm-hmm. if you fail, it's very rarely that you're gonna get another chance for the same director or producer, or you have to wait who knows how long to prove that to this industry that you're capable of doing that. Because nobody, nobody wants to put the time, money, and effort into risking a scene, because if a male performer fails, or it doesn't, it's not capable of performing the way the director and the producers want, mm-hmm. the scene, cannot happen. Simple as that. Yeah. And actually, you know, I think that leads into kind of some of our next set of questions. I don't, you know, this is an educational podcast and I feel like, you know, people watch porn constantly, but they don't always know what goes on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, So could you speak to more about, you know, the skill that it takes to be a successful male performer in the industry? Um, And, you know, is there anything else that you want the audience to know about, you know, all the labor that goes into making mm-hmm. um, an enjoyable film? Uh, well, you know, when I joined the business, um, the business was slightly different than it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was already in a, in, a, in a, you know, the business always been evolving because technology and then, you know, all the aspects, DVDs, then internet, everything sure. has had an impact on the business. So I was still in the time where we used to make big feature movies. So for example, we, we, we had big sets for companies as Wicked or Dorsel or uh, Digital Playground, you know, Penthouse, huge days, five, four, six days, almost like the mainstream production. So mm-hmm. basically very long days, lots of work, lots of dialogue scripts, you know, fully scripted movies. Uh, of course, there is a lot of so-called gonzo scenes where you just only focus on purely sexual act and, and there's specific audience for that. So there's no, pretty much, there's very little dialogue. There's just some kind of improvisation scene and it leads to, to sex and that's what people want to watch and that focuses on completely different things than, than other genres. But mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is that because of my looks, there's so much stereotyping in this business and in entertainment, period. So I was always portrayed as this good-looking guy that is, uh, you know, uh, only can be thrown into those lovey-dovey, uh, very romantic, very light scenes, and you know, and 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 also, of course, I have an accent, so you know, it's it's a it's a confusing thing for a lot of American producers because when you are white. Um, the assumption is that you are just like another white American. So you look like an American, so you have to sound like one. Mm-hmm. If I, I was ethnic looking, let's say I was Indian looking, Asian looking, right? If I had a darker skin, I could have an accent and that would be more understandable for the audience. And I, I always couldn't understand that because, you know, I, I'm an immigrant. I moved to this country. It's, uh, you know, and, and I had to learn a lot of a lot of things about how life here is. Mm-hmm. But... I, I got into this into this time and uh, where where you know all those things matter and, and 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 a lot of old school producers and directors didn't see a, a room for me for for those movies because you know oh the accent was so important to them like how can anybody get turned on by you speaking for example right <laughs> and I was told that a million times so 
you know, I had an uphill battle to to fight, so I had to find my way in in, in there. Not only, you know, trying to to perform my best, but also convince those skeptics about myself that I can act, that I can, I can uh, make people excited, I can inspire them, and I, you know, I can be valuable assets to this business because at the end of it's a business at the end of the day. Right. That is a. Uh... That's really like just for me personally. That's an eye-opening um, statement that you completely made. Um, that and we've talked about it on our podcast many a times. You know, mm-hmm. when we have questions that come up about, oh, you know, I, I want to do anal, I want to do this, and the porn star. Well, you know, a lot of porn magic, a lot of prep. You know, you know, as an educator, I'm teaching people the three-day or two-day prep just for you to have a successful anal um, experience mm. if you've never done it before. And they're like, no, the people, I said, they are doing prep. Like, there is a lot yeah. of behind-the-scene yeah. work that is going into that. And, you know, it's so refreshing to hear that you talk about that and have that struggle. And, yes, they all want to see you, I'm sure, in a nice button-up suit, you know, like I said, the ones I was watching, you got a winery, they'd expect that from you. But so in your perfect world what would be your ideal scene like if you were the one to pick it and you were going to get it no matter what it was what would it be like for you because i can see you in a great vampire scene i'm not gonna lie to you (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i i you know i i've been uh, casted later on because you know i started talking about basically when when i started and how this business looked everything started changing shrinking production shrinking more into focus on 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 gonzo productions very few companies had enough budget because you know you have to put put a lot of money and then you have to fight the pirates you have to fight fight mm-hmm. people who are trying to steal the content then you have to try to find the government who is constantly trying to censor you and other organizations and this whole uphill battle that has been happening and you are aware of that what's happening right mm-hmm. censorships yeah. and so forth so on top of that is business, right? We, we, we as a performers, most of us like what we do and we like to inspire others and we have beautiful letters and emails and, and, and you know, and then an exchange of uh, information from fans or people who are, you know, inspired what we do and, and that just warms our hearts. But at, at the end of the day, we also treat it as a job. So we have to, uh, you know, and everybody does. So, so yeah. you know, you invest in that and, 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 you know, and people want to make money out of it like in any other business in entertainment. Mm-hmm. Ideal scenario. I mean, I've I've done a lot of different roles. I I love the fact that I was thrown into very different characters, you know, uh, uh, roles, and I could find themselves there. You know, I I, I love to experiment. I always love to uh, uh, um, challenge myself in the sense that I will play against my type and against the character. But sometimes it's not believable. I, I you know I mm-hmm. cannot really. It's very difficult for me to play like a very, very soft, wimpy character because it's, you know, it's not really truly believable. There were a few attempts and some people really laughed at that and and they they said it was entertaining, interesting, but it's, it's, you know, not many directors will do that. What I would do if I was casting something like that, I mean, you know, I think you have to start with performers. You have to start with picking a cast that really vibes well with each other. And this is a problem in the business where Let's say there's a girl that sells the product great. And I mean, we have to have her because she is the selling point and she's right. wonderful. But let's say she's a wonderful, uh, uh, you know, on the cover of, of and, and she does well her scenes. But for example, it's very difficult to work with her. It's very difficult to, to, to create a good chemistry. So, you know, it's like, to me, it's very important to start with performers to, mm-hmm. to help them and understand what this job, enti- what it entails and what you have to do 
to make to put them them in the most comfortable best place and not every set that i've worked on over the years did that many actually right. didn't really care too much about that they just cared about you know the product the mm -hmm. product doing what they were supposed to do and nobody would ever care what i would think or what i would do in the beginning like you know i'm just there as a prop i'm just there as a product it's like i have to perform and goodbye you know the girl's the star you are just there to do your job and some people never really liked me because you know like they felt jealous they felt that kind of situation where they would like to be in my position and i never understood that because you know this is a very very difficult job i mean you yeah. know as, yeah. as glamorous as some people it might be uh it is very very difficult and it has you deal with a lot of pressure um mm -hmm. especially the bigger the production the more people surround you the more pressure you are you're 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 given you know let's say if you struggle you have like a worse day or something mm -hmm. happens you know because you're only a human being then you know the pressure piles on and, and and you have to find a way to do it it's pretty much comparable to you know a professional athlete or or any performer in any uh, uh, discipline, sport, and, and you know, and that has to uh, carry that pressure. So yeah, that's that's where the, where the difficulty is on the male performer in the scenes mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. females are the stars, and like I said, uh, they it's easier for them to perform even uh, 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 you know when the, when there is not great chemistry between the partners than when you know when your tool doesn't work and in this case it's it might be a bit problematic sure. that might that might be that might mm -hmm. be when everybody's having an off day but you mm -hmm. made i feel like uh, an amazing point because when i think about you know bigger productions and when they do maybe like a series um they want that sequel to be as great as the first one. And, you know, so I'm sure the pressure to perform for everyone involved is just astronomical because it's like, listen, that first one, we got 10 awards for it. It was great. So this sequel has to knock it out the box. And so on top of your regular pressure, now you have this pressure to make this one as big as the first one. And I'm quite sure you're like, uh, yeah, but what if nobody wants a sequel of whatever, sure. whatever we're doing right now? Like, you know, what are we going to do? And then it falls on, on you all and you know, people are looking at that. And then so your scope of to be able to pick up, you know, new jobs and be like, well, you didn't make this one a hit. Like, listen, they're not all going to be hits. Like when a football team has a um, win a ring that year. Listen, it doesn't happen this year. And so I'm still a good performer, but unfortunately, you know, it just didn't happen. So yeah, I could imagine that that could be very frustrating. And um, again, so good to hear that kind of behind the scene, because again, mm -hmm. I think that some people don't realize, which is weird, that you are that you guys are people. <laughs> right? Yeah, they just see the finished product and then don't think beyond that. Uh, because yeah, no, because we were, you know, the society treats this industry and the people in this industry very uh, you know like objects pretty much mm -hmm. like we don't really have any protections everybody everybody watches it everybody enjoys it but nobody wants to admit that i mean no nobody of course i'm exaggerating right. because there are people yeah. who who are probably speaking about that but there is extreme minority and we're talking about global impact of the industry not only here within the united yeah. states you know free mm -hmm. country relatively free right comparing to a lot of different places in the world yeah but yeah, and, and to your point, by the way, uh, it's like in, in, in some in the mainstream, you know, uh, 
you you do your best as an actor as a performer but then there's also a bunch of other people who have control over how this product will look yes. you know it's it's editing it's production it's post production so unless you are really involved in 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 this on the side then you have you pretty much give up all this control of that so you have no idea how this product is going to look like at the end mm-hmm. even though you think you put so much effort into this and 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 yeah and sometimes the opposite way sometimes it wasn't your best performance but the post production mm. made it really look so good and people are excited and that's right. really what matters right at the end of the day yeah. so one of the things i just kind of wanted to go back to um when you were talking about you know if you could create your ideal scene you t- you emphasize the chemistry between the performers so how do you establish chemistry with a performer, especially if, like you've never worked with someone before? Mm-hmm. Um, and what makes um, a scene difficult with chemistry? Like if there is no chemistry between the performers or someone's difficult to work with, like what what would that include? Well, I am a type of a person that I always put out the fires. So if I have a performer that's on set that is uh, in a difficult mental state or it's uh, agitated or something is going wrong, I'll try to do my best to calm her down, speak with her. If I never work with her, we don't know each other. You know, I, I always put that effort to make people comfortable around me. So <laughs> this is something that I'm proud of, that I can do well. And I think that I saved a lot of scenes over the years uh, that could have been disastrous or never happened really uh, and they actually turned into a, a good scenes mm-hmm. so i think it's it's very important to make people comfortable and uh, and that starts with performers together the production some producers and directors are very sensitive for that object of that area so they are very supportive of performers and the situation mm-hmm. and i think you know it's very important to be to be open, to be uh, communicating with your partner. It's like in a relationship, you know, it's yeah. it, it's a relationship. Uh, uh, you know, it's a work relationship, but you know, it's a very intimate relationship. So you have to trust each other to the extent to be able to perform this type of acts on camera and make them look as believable as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, some people are really good actors and some people, some some girls are not the best actresses, but if you make them comfortable, put them into that place during the scene, throughout the scene, the best can be, you know, the best yeah, comes out of, of them, yeah. right? So that's the yeah. male performance in my mind, responsibility, because I want to make her as comfortable as possible so she can feel that this is, the, that she's doing the least amount of work in a sense of uncomfortable work. Mm-hmm. Well, you said one of our favorite words, and that's communication. We Absolutely. drive that into the ground here at Mindful Sex Ed. Communication is a thousand percent needed. You know, I'm sure, like, it, it's, we have couples who have been with each other for over decades that still do not get completely naked in front of each other. And these are, you know, so I could imagine just you <laughs> not knowing someone maybe you having an off day, because again, like you said, and like we've been saying, you know, a lot of attention does go on the vulva owning cast member and maybe not enough for our penis owning cast members, which it should be very much equal because you're also a vulnerable person. You're also doing something on a camera. We should both, you know, be able to feel a sense of appreciation for what it is that we're doing and get that same level of, I understand if, today is not that day. 
because it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's a person. Everybody has that time where they just not feeling in their skin. And so, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the issue here is that, uh, the, the producers, directors, people who, um, who are in this business for many, many years, they catered and on the side of industry, they catered towards a specific type of customers, specific type of buyers who, um, for many, many years, weren't women or weren't people who were in any shape or form interested in buying content that would be focused on something else than just pleasure, their own pleasure in a right. sense, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's a different topic to discuss, but I think the many production companies that came after and during the time that I've been to industry and I saw this uh, transformation and the opening of, 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 of different genres and making it more making it more uh, exciting for different people, you know, women, couples, uh, you know, the, the, this whole gender fluidity thing that, you know, there's so much more expression now that is being acceptable that people can actually see. The performers can create their own content. They can reach out their own fan base. Yeah. It used to be the only place that you can create that content was a big studio. And if that studio didn't want to shoot a girl that were, were full of tattoos, there was nowhere to go. Now, you know, I just gave one example, but there, you know, we can find many examples of, yeah, of course. discriminated people and, and people who this particular audience didn't want to see. And, 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 but other audiences probably wanted to see, and now they can. So yeah, that, that, that came with a, you know, the whole, the evolution, but yeah, there are still a lot of people in the business that has been from this old school, mm-hmm. as I call it. Yeah. And yeah. you've, you've worked with, you know, some studios that are more, I guess, feminist aligned or for the female gaze and is there like a difference in the climate on set compared to like a, a mainstream production that's more towards like a cisgendered male audience mm-hmm. no huge difference yeah of course i mean i i think most of the the feminist oriented uh, studios or even the female directors with that uh, mindset mm-hmm. they're big on consent they're big on comfort for performers they're more um they're more about the the you see, that, that, that's the huge difference between a female audience and a male audience. Males are very, you know, straight males are very into visual effects of, of, of the sexual act, you know, mm-hmm. and, and men are getting excited quickly. And once they're reaching their orgasms, the, the, the highest level, they drop the spear and then they're, they're ready to move on. Women right. are completely different. Women like the the lead-in, the, uh, mm. the you, you, in some sort, you got to turn on the engine, warm the engine before you start yeah. driving the car, as they always say. And that leads to, you know, it, it's, it's prolonged. So, so there's also a focus on, on the uh, foreplay, on, yeah. on the lead-in, or, or things that are more in the mind than just the body aspect of it. That's why the focus of those videos and those movies is different and, mm. and understanding of, and, and I find it more equal. For that, that you know, they value the male performers, as you mentioned, equally valuable as the female performers, because it is for the audience that is appreciating yes. those performers. Not only right. you're a tool, you have to have a giant penis because otherwise you don't qualify because nobody wants to watch you. Because straight male audience is actually more obsessed with the size of a penis of a performer than mm-hmm. actually a girl, which I discover over the years. I you know, it just occurred to me like this is this is the fascinating <laughs> aspect of it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why a lot of young men are growing up 
watching this type of porn and they are obsessed because men are obsessed with their penises. Not It's not about women are obsessed with them. The men are obsessed with their own penises. That's and that's true. what leads them to this whole, you know, and, and I can speak about it as a performer because I've seen it all. So, you know, and I totally understand that. But as I'm saying, it's a different audience and I think it's different appreciation. And I feel that working for some of the studios were was uh, was definitely a, a refreshing experience for me. And that's an amazing thing um, just to have, you know, that kind of, because it, I mean, just honestly for me, when I look for my, you know, what I'm gonna watch, I look for those kind of things. If it's just this, we didn't do anything, you didn't, there was no warm up. I completely can't watch it. It seems very, by the way, Mm -hmm. There was like no thought, even though I know you guys are doing a whole production, but as a viewer, I'm just like, okay, so you're not even going to try like touch one breast or like maybe even like kiss a neck, like there's nothing happening. For mm -hmm. me, it's a turn off because in my mind, especially as an educator, I'm like, wow, her vagina must be on fire. No one used any lube. So it's like <laughs> all those things that yeah. in my mind I'm thinking about. So people who are not, you know, educated, whatever they, you know, we have conversation, they're saying the same thing. It doesn't translate. Mm -hmm. Especially those who are in a long this long relationship, maybe they want to get that spark back. So to be able to see something really nice and intimate and taking some time, like you said, giving some build up. Again, thing we talk about foreplay is my love. We need it, have to have it. Mm -hmm. And to have that because then you you relate to it and yeah. be okay, like you said, with whatever your partner has to offer, because and like I've said in most videos. Size matters to the individual. Mm -hmm. And until so more people understand that, what I like is not what Laura's going to like and vice versa. No, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's just I, I also see the other side of the story here. I see pornography and adult industry as an entertainment industry. So mm -hmm. as much as we like to watch movies, and I'm not talking about adult only, but with a message, deep movies, there's sometimes movies that people like to watch with superheroes or like very, uh, very, very simple uh, movies, but with special effects and, and, you know, a lot of action, explosions, you know, laser beams, whatever that is. And, 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 and there's room for everything. So that's why I think it just depends on the audience. If there's an audience that is particularly interested in seeing the type of woman that was uh, glorified for many, many years with huge breasts, blonde, I don't know, those bombshells, like for many years, that was this, the standard of beauty in this right. business. And there's still, you know, a lot of beautiful women like this in the business. And, and I'm not trying to discriminate anybody, but the, the yeah. point is that there is so much more. And that goes with race and that goes with, with tattoos, with piercings, with other things, features that, you know, big, small, you know, everything pretty much. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just there is an audience that likes specifically, you know, this type of uh, yes. pornography. And there is an audience, like you mentioned, that, you know, like when there is, it's more realistic. It's more uh, uh, for the couples, for, for the real, you know, the real experience versus just, oh, I just want to see the smallest possible girl and the biggest possible guy and yeah. he's going to destroy her. I'm not saying that I want to do it, right. but I just wanted to see that fantasy. And I can mm -hmm. go the opposite way around the smallest yeah. possible guy the biggest woman and she's throwing him around you know i've seen it all <laughs> it's 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 entertainment so you know like anything we have to have the right approach to it and and the right mindset when watching in my mind you know absolutely yeah i would absolutely agree
All right, everyone. So that's all for this episode of Mindful Sex Ed Back to Basics. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. Reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify are particularly helpful in getting us out there. Sharing is caring, so if you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please share them with a friend or anyone who you think would benefit from listening. You can follow us on social media at Mindful Sex Ed Pod on Twitter and Mindful Sex Ed Podcast on Instagram. And we will share all of Jay's social media handles and any other relevant links so you can find him wherever you would like to. All right, everyone. We will see you in a couple days. Bye.